All right. I'm All right. gonna open my beer. Do it. Is that all right? Mine, yeah. <laughs> All right, well, what are you drinking today, buddy? Welcome to Henry and Hops, folks. The intro song, we're singing along, drinking beer and talking about politics. Uh, Henry and Hops, politics and beer. Adventures and thoughts for your ear holes to hear. So let's have a brew, maybe just three or two, perchance discover new shit that we never knew. So come along. That's the end of our song. Yeah. Oh, that actually is the end of... That's it. We just talk culture and shit. It's Henry and Hops. No, that's, those aren't our. That's not our name. That's just the name of the podcast. It's Hunter and uh, Josh, aka Juicebox. Um, yeah, but I could. I'll be the Hops, and you can be Henry George. <laughs> we we sound like um, those really lame like uh, morning radio shows. Since I <laughs> since I drive in a lot of cars in the morning for work now, or in trucks. Um, I hear all these guys. There's Irish Greg and Renee No Name. I'm like, those are horrible monikers. That's the best you could do. She has a name. It's Renee. It's Irish Greg. Like, what? Why is he Irish? Like, or, or like, I'm not why, but like, what's relevant about that to him being a Jewish Josh? <laughs> Jewish my, Josh. That, and, that and, was the adjective I picked in tenth grade when they gave when they said you had to pick an adjective that was your. <laughs> Because it was always like joking when I was younger, and I was like, "Joking's getting boring." <laughs> joking, Josh. What yeah, out there? No. What think about it? How many adjectives are there that start with J? No, there's Judaic. Jovial. That's the same thing. Yeah. Yeah, it's either like Jewish or jovial. You don't get a choice. <laughs> I would say hunting hunter. It's easy. I just hunt you. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, that's actually a good intro to our topic today. But Jewish Josh or hunting t- hunter. <laughs> <laughs> that's oh, our nicknames for sure that's horrible on, dude. on our gun control episode <laughs> oh god hunting hunter all right. all right so so before we before we jump into the topic at hand uh let's uh let's talk about some beers real quick because we, yeah. we didn't talk a lot of beers on the last episode or probably the one before that to for that matter yeah well but, but especially on the last one because we were drinking coffee and uh i also I have to say, the beer review I did do on that one, I'm going to repeat in an episode two or three weeks from now because I forgot how uh, in-depth I reviewed that beer. But we'll see how much of that actually is uh, all right. produced. Yeah, cool. Hope anyway. You all, is this our first? No, it's our second episode after we got on iTunes. Um, mm-hmm. We're living big, you guys. It's feeling great. I think that we have like 15 listens to the most recent one. It's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, it's way, way more in, than in like a twenty-four hour period. Yeah, it's crazy. man, this is it's crazy. Fifteen I think, people. I think it's. Woo. I think I think it's probably been zero since then, but still fifteen. <laughs> We've got to re-release we, we love, it every day. We, well, we love whoever's listening for real, though. Yeah, thank you. It's probably our mom. Um, so let's get back to this. I want to I want to talk this beer real quick. So I've okay, got this sorry, beer. Go shoot. Von, Von now I just went to the beer store and bought by beer store I mean um, City Swiggers down the street, Upper East Side, uh, to get uh, a beer for this podcast. I ended up buying like five separate beers. I'll take a picture and write do a little write up on the blog about them. But let's talk this beer right here. This is Vondergenst. It's a Flemish sour ale. It's a red brown, more of a brown sour ale. And the reason I wanted to get this is that um, a little while back uh, when I was at City Swiggers. Uh, I was looking at Sours, and one of the uh, the workers there, uh, I mean, I don't know, what do you call them? They're not really bartenders. They're not like baristas. What are they? Beer tenders. The sales, yeah, the beer tenders, the salespeople there, 
walk up to me and say, hey, uh, do you like sours? Have you tried this one? And they point out to this one called uh, Cuvée de Jacobson. Do you know this one? Yeah. No, I'm. Yeah. I'm. You're the. You're the. You're the authority on sours compared to me. Well, it's like the. It's like the highest rated Flemish sour ale. It's got like a 96 on Beer Advocate. You know, it's a big deal. And uh, so I tried deal. this, and it. And it's kind of Jacobson? defined like how. Uh, Cuvée de Jacobson's Rouge, if you want the full names. But if you look up Cuvée, C-U-V-E-E, you'll find it. Yeah. Anyway. Um, okay. So so I tried this beer. Uh, uh you know about six months ago and it's kind of scoped my view of sours ever since uh everything i've had since then i've i've compared to it i haven't yet had anything that's quite as good um i keep wanting an american brewery to make something like this uh i don't know what it is about these beers but they are uniquely refreshing in the way that they cleanse your palate in the same way that that like a hops do in an ipa Mm -hmm. um whereas i feel like the biggest problem with some hours sours is they're either just tart without any redeeming freshness or the other side too sweet without anything uh tart or bitter about it or there can be kind of bland if it's like a ghost that's not done properly i'll take your word on that so so i uh i wanted to try this beer the vandergans because i haven't seen it before and it's it's actually made by the same brewery uh the which is called and i'm gonna probably butcher this so if there's any uh belgian listeners out there please let me know could be uh, Flemish the, as well. Yeah, well, the the brewery is called uh, Brauerger uh, Bokor. Maybe I said that wrong. Brauerger, yeah, Brauerger Bokor, NV, and uh, and they make this beer, which has also like a ninety one on uh, Beer Advocate, and uh, it's their it's their brown alternative to the red. Now I don't really quite know what the difference is. Probably the more build, right? If it's red and brown. Yeah, I would feel like it has to be. But anyway, this one is just as good as that one in quality. Um, really tastes like nothing else I've had. Uh, I would give this a full hotel if we're still doing those. Uh, yeah, I think we are. You just did it, so we are. Yeah, and uh, <laughs> and I would totally recommend tracking either this one or Cuvée down if you're interested in sours. This is a great standard to set your comparisons by. And if you have had anything, like I said, that's as good as either of these, please right into us because i would love to find it uh, especially if it's cheaper <laughs> i bet that wasn't uh too too cheap for you there huh no this one was like 550 and the other one was like seven dollars when i got it. 12 ounces because they're yeah. imported and and they're they were expensive to begin with you know yeah yeah no i totally i, I got you i know i was just talking to the guy at the beer store that i went to and i was just joking at the, with him i was like i make I finally make more than minimum wage now, and I just spend more on beer. Kind of, kind of balances out. Like I'm living, I'm living pretty much the same, except when it comes to my beer, I'm drinking better. <laughs> yeah, you know, <laughs> spend it on the things. important things: travel, yeah, exa- wedding, beer. <laughs> yeah, exactly, and uh, yeah, other stuff. Um, so what I'm drinking is nothing too special. I was probably drinking this before in a podcast, but I'm really. It's been, I haven't gotten sick of it. I drink it a lot these days. It's the Lagunitas Sucks, the brown sugar substitute ale. Um, Do we talk about this yet? I don't think so, right? Not on the podcast. We talked about a lot off air. Yeah, sorry, I know. Sorry, Juice Box. Well, basically, one year, brown sugar, which is their, like, almost barley wine-esque. It's like a strong American ale, I guess. But it's, it's brewed with a lot of brown sugar, so it 
is darker in appearance, little more, I guess, robust in a to, to be a douchebag like mouthfeel. Feel like I feel like yeah. you can't say the you can't say the term mouthfeel without sounding like a douchebag. Um, no, it's impossible. Yeah, you really can't. So you just gotta own it. Um, but um, it's really intense, and they just couldn't make it because you know they they've been expanding their brewery like probably since a few years after they opened because demand is always increased uh, is increasing and uh, outpacing supply. And um, I guess when you know when they were in a moment of growth, but they hadn't really been able to to actually physically grow, but the demand was so much there, they basically couldn't brew brown sugar because of the limited capacity in the brewery at the time. Presumably. I don't know, due to that it takes longer to brew. I'm trying to think about this, right? Like, why could they brew this other beer, Lagunita Sucks, Substitute Ale, when they couldn't brown, brew brown sugar? So it must have to do with either the size of the batches or um, Well, the does Lagunita Sucks have, have the brown sugar ingredient? Is it, does it have that? No. No. It's a different so beer. Maybe it, no, that's what I'm saying. Isn't, is, maybe that was the key. Maybe they couldn't get the brown sugar. No, but they always say it was about the brewery. Yeah, we'll just know the brewery not being having the capacity. And I do feel like they would be honest if it was the sugar too. I mean, they, anyhow. So you think Lagunita sucks was like some other brewery brew that they were gonna like throw out otherwise, but they ended up bottling it because they couldn't <laughs> do the beer that they had. No, I just think it was way less intensive uh, of a process to brew in their current their setup at the time. That's the only okay. answer. Yeah. No, fair enough. So, I, I have like I haven't researched that at all, so I don't. No, know. I mean that your your postulation actually, I mean, isn't could actually makes more sense in the sense that I can't really think of a, a like what would differentiate. It would have to be time, right? It would have to be that since they have dedicated most of the brewery space to the main like four brands that they would or styles that um, to sacrifice a vessel aging vessels for. As long as it would take for um, brown sugar, then they would not be able to make like IPA or something. You know what I mean? And that's like my main guess. Although yeah. it could it could it could be not that it was like bad. It was just like wrong, right? Maybe it was yeah. like the yeah. wrong. It was like came out wrong. Like it kind of tastes like no. It doesn't really taste like anything, and that's why I like about it. We've talked a lot about how Lagunitas gets a bad rap. I've said this probably three fucking times in the podcast, but like. Gets a bad rap for making everything kind of taste the same, but and I don't. It's more of a joke than a reality, and I, I don't know. I, I it's not wrong, wrong, wrong. They don't do anything, whatever. <laughs> and we're not going to go down that road. No, no, it's no, not, no. But you, you, yeah. They, it's not. It, because all the things they make taste good. It's just the the idea. It's an exaggeration. Yeah, yeah. They make a I, lot of beers like the taste similar. They do make beers that don't taste similar, but a lot of their core pack taste very similar yeah. to each other but what i was gonna say is this one here it's not dissimilar but it's amazing so it's an eight percent just like really fruity i guess double right where do we draw the line that's probably a double ipa eight percent um double ipa it's like a really good yeah. straightforward fruity bright with a nice bitter bitterness going on just it's it makes me so happy, and if I if I ever drank this and then drank a Lagunitas IPA, I, which I try not to, no offense, I just don't really like that beer that much, and I love IPAs. It's like a good a good backup, but by no means is it um, ever desired. Are they priced at the same uh, level? No, no. Um, 
on average, let's say that you're gonna get your like in this gro average grocery store, Lagunitas IPA is gonna be like nine or ten bucks here in a six pack, mm -hmm. something like that, right? Mm -hmm. Like ten bucks if it's a if it's like a convenience store, and maybe like eight bucks if it's a big grocery store like Safeway or something, um, or Whole Foods. This this is going at the smaller stores for eleven ninety nine or ten ninety nine for a twelve pack. It's not cheap. It's definitely more expensive. But if you consider the alcohol content, it's not out of line with um, other quality double IPA six packs. Shit, dude, I almost bought the, uh, the uh, Dorado from Ballast Point, makers of Sculpin, which is now like seeing such a huge obsession. Like, it's yeah, so funny. Yeah, it's everywhere. Why is that? Why is it so popular now? It's a great beer. I had one last night, but like, it's, I don't know, it's a really, it's definitely one of the top like top IPAs that's majorly distributed in America, but where did they everybody... They just have good salespeople. They went out there and distributed and found a way, maybe they have a lower yeah. price point. I don't know. No, that's the thing, dude, is that they have a way higher price point. They're in San Diego, right? And they have yeah. a um, they have a price point that's like, at every store you go to, it's, they're, Ooh. you know, Sculpin just died. IPA on, guys. is like fourteen ninety nine for a six pack. Oh, um, so the phone call with Juicebox just died. I'm still recording, um, which is obvious because you're listening to me. But I don't want to make make sure he doesn't. Uh, no, I'm just anything fucking good. All right, I'm gonna just stop this real quick. Peace. Well, howdy, that partner. You seem like the old-fashioned type, kind of guy who likes to sit on a porch sipping lemonade and iced tea listening to the sweet sound of crickets chirping. But instead, you're stuck living in the big city, where it's loud and dirty, and most importantly, violent. You need protection for you and yours. And at Itlow's Gun Depot, we can give you that protection. If you're in the majority, we'll protect you from that dirty minority. If you're in the minority, we'll help you fight back against that oppressive majority. And no matter what, we'll make sure the government's there to sweep up the mess. Sure, we have hundreds of times more firearm murders per year than every other industrialized nation, but why change now? Just because you're on a burning boat headed off a waterfall doesn't mean you abandon ship. No! You paddle downstream hopes of flame and believe that you can fly, dammit. And here at Hitler's, we'll give you the wings. Wings made of bullets. Hitler's Gun Depot. Get your peace today. Again, for the record, Hitler's is in no way associated with Nazi or neo-Nazi groups. The title was created by combining the names of the two founders, Joseph It and Freddie Lur. They realized the mistake after they had printed business cards and applied for the LLC. They decided to roll with it, freedom of speech and all. And as Joseph says, hindsight is always going to be 2020, but your foresight can be an AK with a laser scope if you shop at Hitler's. Where were we? Yeah, oh, where were we? I was talking about El Dorado, and I almost bought one. Of, oh no, how Sculpin is um, still like fourteen bucks for a six point. pack. Yeah, whatever. Yeah. Um, doesn't no, matter. but it's no, it's an interesting topic because I I actually wanted to talk about it real quick that like, uh, and I mentioned this to you beforehand that when I went to the store just now, um, I uh, I almost I was tempted to buy this new Omegong beer that I haven't seen before called Jomagong. It's like a coffee ale mm -hmm. I did with mm -hmm. uh, cocoa nibs. Mm -hmm. But it's only like a 7.5%. Now, it is a larger bottle, but it's $22. Right. Now, I love Omegong. I'm constantly repping them, even though I feel like they overprice things sometimes, and I've discussed this in the past. Um, 
But I feel like this is getting ridiculous at this point. Like, oh, Nomagong made sense. It was a collaboration with a Belgian company. Like, that doesn't happen very often. Except they're actually owned by a Belgian company now. Yeah, no, I know. I know. I, I just feel like I don't know how... They're, they're an American craft brewery, and they're made in New York, more specifically, and yet the price point is ridiculous compared to other things that are made outside of state or even outside of the country. Yeah. Yeah. Um, do you think that the Game of Thrones series had anything to do with that at all? No, I don't, because I think that it, it was happening even before that. Now, I think Game of Thrones has not helped, perhaps, because they've been able to make these beers with Game of Thrones that have a sort of lower price point, and that keeps their uh, mass production model going. But I also feel like they, they experiment less, and they... You know, I, I talked about in, I think, our first episode that, that uh, Three Philosophers was maybe the beer that got me into craft beer. Oh, yeah, and I know it. It I used love... to be, I remember I used to buy it for you every once in a while at the uh, Hannaford there in Kingston. Yeah, and, and, I, and I feel like, you know, I, I, I love that beer because it was, it was interesting and it was experimental at the time. And they did it in a, in a way where it was, it was a decent price point. And then that beer got more and more expensive every year from, like, like I would say, our sophomore or junior year in college onwards. Really? Uh, yeah, by like twenty, thirty cents. It seems like a year. To Three the point now that like it's like yeah, it's like it's like I, I want to say like thirteen or fourteen for a four pack or something. Now it's ridiculous. Wow. It seems well, I, unobtainable. Well, that reminds me real quick, and then we can get into the topic. Um, just about how um, again at this place, at the the, the beer store I was at, I also got a um a big boy that I'm not drinking right now because then I would get drunk because it's like eleven percent. And it's um, by Knee Deep Brewing, and I was saying, and the, the guy there was saying how it's, you know, definitely r- ranks uh, in his top Imperial IPAs, and um, he's, I was like saying, and their prices are so reasonable, and he's like, yeah, well, you know, they're, you know, a relatively new brewery, they're, they're still trying to get established, and so they totally are, they know that people like me are going to buy it because it's a triple IPA, and it's like, a lot of their stuff is like eight bucks for a big bottle, and in San Francisco, that's a great. Excuse me, and um, you try it, and you're like, "Holy shit, these guys are making great beer!" And you tell your friends, and I talk about it to you and the maybe anyone that's listening, and um, you know, it's awesome. And maybe I don't know, I'm just postulating maybe that Omagang has gotten Omagong has gotten more established, you know, over time, and they realize that now they have this brand prestige, and they can justify the higher price point. And or it has something to do with them getting bought out by uh, uh, Duvel Morgat, right? Well, probably I think it probably does have something to do with them being bought out with Duvel. It's probably a combination of both because I feel like like what happened with Omagong was they they were a, a company that like Dogfish Head was being really experimental and trying to put themselves out there in a lot of different forms. And then once they were taken over, it was kind of like you are this one thing, which is the american belgian brewery that has to focus on just making belgian ales all the time as your main focus and like they really only make like i want to say like four or five beers uh plus the game of thrones series plus like maybe one or two others a year when they used to do a lot of specialties yeah i remember it was really hard to find the specialties like we go to a halftime and it would be there but that'd be about it like all the weird ones you know it's easy to get Mm -hmm. the classics um double uh, three philosophers, Hannah Penn, and I mean, they're Rare, all Rare Voss. 
Yeah, that's the thing is they're all really good. I'm just mad that they're so expensive these days. Except like Hennepin and Double are usually pretty good price point. Yeah. Yeah, Hennepin's pretty reasonable. I haven't had that in, man, probably like a year. I haven't had that in so long. Um, there's just so many Saisons. I had a Saison last night that was brewed up in Petaluma. So, you know, Hen House Saison, it's great. Super good. It's only 5.5%. But I did pay $8 for a 12-ounce pour. That was pretty ridiculous. I was at a restaurant. But like, <laughs> that was pretty ridiculous. And then once I realized they weren't pouring pints, I was like, well, let me look at your bottles. Then I got Tap It IPA <laughs> from San Luis de Bespo, really solid... Uh, it was a dollar less, and I was like, great. What the fuck was I doing? Anyhow, I'm sorry. I'm rambling. Should we get to the, um, the somber topic Yeah, at let's hand? talk about the topic at hand, yeah. Um, so this, uh, yeah, this topic came to us. Um, obviously, this episode is, has some title that has to do with gun control. Um, uh, as a result of recent events, specifically the, the Charleston shooting, I think, I think in the wake of that, there's a lot of things that are being finally addressed that have culminated in that event now we there are two things obviously that predominate um what were what what like people feel about the event and one half of that the um systematic racism that led this man to make some terrible decisions i'm not going to say child because he's 21 you know what i mean yeah he's not a kid um yeah um to make some terrible choices. That is something that we need to address as a country and seems so obvious in this case that I, I almost feel like there's not much we, and I've said this before, as like middle to upper class white people can talk about. I know. Um, and you're absolutely, I couldn't, I mean, you, you kind of said it. I think our sentiment, and obviously correct me, I don't mean to speak for both of us, but I'm going to, is just that like, it should be so obvious that this was a racist terrorist attack and one of my biggest things on this, and I, we don't have to talk about it, I just want to just mention it really quick, is just that, like, this is terrorism. This is terrorism. And in America, we've been uh, conditioned to not associate white people as terrorists. Well, I don't know that that's entirely true, because I do feel like if it's environmental terrorism, or like, like uh, Timothy McVeigh, for example, is is obviously labeled as a terrorist. But yeah, when it becomes... but, but actually, though, in public, pop, eh, popular culture, like in the media at the time, was he? I don't know. I, I, feel like, I feel like whenever explosives are involved, it's implicitly terrorism in people's eyes, but if it's a gun, if a gun attack, it depends on the motivation, and if we define the motivation as something that's like domestic, we sometimes don't classify it as terrorism, even if it's meant to strike fear, which is like the whole definition of terrorism, is that it's meant to make people scared. And, incites and terror up. yeah yeah terror is in the <laughs> word yeah anyhow um, that, that's my biggest like cr- gripe i mean sorry there's so many things but like it's after no you know, no i it's totally it's totally valid and and it's completely ridiculous that and we it aren't speaks to and it speaks a, oh i'm sorry I'm, i keep interrupting you but it speaks to your no, no, um no. it speaks to your uh point earlier which is that you if if we're going to talk about radical islam that leads to acts of terror everybody always goes back and tries to like pin it on the 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 teachers right the clerics and the imams and the radicalization period and if the same yeah. thought logic is applied to this scenario you're looking at um how he was radicalized and we know that to be through various uh right not even right wing i don't even mean to say that but like white supremacist websites 
and uh, and the whole they you know, have well. We, we do know they did contribute to at least three or four Republican campaigns this year, as, as uh, that article cited. That, that guy, I know, I know, and he uh, sent it back. They all try to send it back once they at least found yes. out. At well, least Scott got... Walker's donating his to charity, but, but yeah, everyone else sent it back. <laughs> That's kind of better, actually. I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to defend Scott Walker, but, like, fuck that guy. Don't give him his money back. Give it to someone else. Yeah, I completely. Well, especially I think he's giving it to a charity associated with the Charleston shooting. Yeah, shootings. yeah, I think you're right. And but that's yeah, yeah. That's what they should have done. But yeah, fuck that, fuck yeah. that guy. Anyway, yeah. it's but the it's crazy that they took those contributions to begin with, knowing the political affiliation that that would create. I don't know. I kind of feel like the um, attitude towards um, fundraising and and like especially this early when there's so many candidates and you're like scrambling, is take all the money you can with as much of a blind eye as possible. And then if you're caught, or if you happen to have overlooked something, because I'm even going to give them the benefit of the doubt, all three of them. Like, I'm just saying, they're like, you're going to give us money? I don't give a fuck who you are. And then if someone else does the research, right, and is like, actually, you just took money from, like, a racist, and they're like, oh, we didn't realize that. Give it back. Right? <laughs> anyway, Take- but you're, you're exactly right. And I think that that, I think that applies to... A lot to the conversation we've been having in our the podcast that was just released and the one that will be released next week, our second part of campaign finance reform, where we talk about, you know, how how things are funded in this country and you know. It's how money insane. Is it's insane. Yeah. It's insane. Yeah, right. Dude, there's no like, way they notice like where a thousand dollar or five hundred dollar contribution is coming from. But when also, million dollar pack contributions. You know what makes me so sad is like. Part of the conversation with Bernie Sanders is revolving around this whole idea that, like, well, he's never going to fundraise as much money, so obviously he's not going to win. And I realized in 2008, I think, when I was kind of, like, coming more political awareness, not to, like, toot my own horn, because I'm not very aware of anything these days at all. (coughs) Excuse me. But you know what I mean? Um, I remember thinking about how the media and even the New York Times, not to say that they're, like, a bastion of, of, of good journalism at all. But um, was was talking about the election in terms of who's ahead and who's behind, purely in terms of fundraising. What's funny is that, like, right. in theory, right, at least from certain media outlets' perspectives, you don't even have to spend the money you raise to be considered a serious contender. It's so hilarious. You don't actually ha- have to buy the ad time. I mean, you do, theoretically, because those people don't read the same, like, political blogs and shit that you and I do and, like, you know, whatever. That's really pretentious to say, but my point is just that, like, they were talking about it like, well, they've raised this much money, which impl- and they implicitly were saying, so they're in N's place, right, in the actual election, not in the fundraising race, but in the literal race. And it's just Yeah, so- no, well, mon- money equals power, so right, whoever but has it wasn't the money e- has the control. Right, but they're assuming, but like that argument is so lazy because it assumes equal spending power, right? That assumes that everyone's going to spend their money equally effectively. It assumes a, uh, like, a vo- like a a ratio of X number of dollars per one vote or per one influence. Influence. Well, person. I think we do talk about this a lot next week, so let's. We should okay. probably get. Back I'm just to saying it's but fucked yeah. up. You can run a great campaign no, on totally no money, up. so fuck that. Yeah, and actually, and I, you can. I think we. No. I think we got our random Bernie Sanders endorsement in for the episode too. Okay, so good. good. Should we have like a little? Can we make an intro song later on for th- that introduces our our um, 
random Bernie Sanders endorsement. Mine. Okay, sure. Yeah, definitely, definitely. The random, random Bernie Sanders. Bernie Sanders endorsement. Like that. And impersonation. Yeah. Can you do oh. one? Can you do oh. an impersonation real quick? Okay. Um. Um. Income. Income inequality in this country is getting to ridiculous proportions. What I'm seeing is not a democracy, but more of an oligarchy, and the corporations are paying for the politicians to vote against your best interests. I kind of got out of it at the end there. I was yelling. That was, so that probably... was pretty great. No, I liked it. I liked it. it sound, he's, yeah, it sounded great. It's pretty good, right? I was going yeah, deep down. Great. Like, the, I read this great article on Bernie Sanders um, and his background in, online somewhere. And um, his like whole upbringing, or not upbringing, but like his like early career. It's pretty crazy, actually. But um, there's this one part where he, with his like neighbor friend who was an artist, they got fun for like some little bit amount of funny to make a um, a documentary on oh, Eugene Debs. You know, he was a uh, socialist and he mm-hmm. was a. Um, a labor kind of organizer, I, a hero. I remember him from my tenth uh, grade or eleventh grade American history books. Yeah, Eugene Debs. I think he's a hero to the working class. You know, a good yeah, proletariat the labor union movement. Yeah. Anyhow, and um, what was really funny is that they tried to get someone to do uh, get the voice, like some famous Hollywood, uh, like a New York screen actor or voice actor to do the voice of uh, Eugene Debs, and this like fell through. So ultimately, what ended up happening it was that Bernie Sanders had got to got to slash had to do the voice, and he was much younger at the time, but he still was. Um, <laughs> how to say I'm a I'm from Brooklyn, but I moved up to the I moved up to Vermont, and I see you got farms and you got marijuana, and you got free love, and I want into it. He actually kind of <laughs> sounds like uh, Trump. My Trump that kind of sounds like a little bit of a Trump impression. <laughs> No, I, I think it's I think it's distinct in the Brooklyn part of it. Like there's a little Trump doesn't have like he's not as he he's a little more more New Jersey and a little less Brooklyn maybe Staten Island. Yeah. All right. Uh, well, we just I think we just wanted to say like basically about the whole systematic racism uh, terrorist thing is that that's so obvious and not something that we can add a lot to except to say that we need to start dealing with these things immediately. It should be so apparent from uh, Trayvon, Barton, Trayvon Martin to Michael Brown to um, what has just uh, occurred in Charleston that we need to make changes in this country. And I think that's starting to happen at least superficially with this flag discussion, but we need to move it beyond that to discussions about economic disparity and segregation and uh, so many other issues that we, we, we're not going to get into today. Because yeah. today, we're going to be talking about the other half of it which is gun control. And I really want to talk about this in light of something that was said by somebody who I deeply respect that I minorly disagree with, but also um, and am interested by. And that's something I sent to you, Hunter, which is this uh, commentary that uh, Killer Mike made in light of the Charleston shooting. It should be noted that during the week following this seemingly random transition between Bernie Sanders and Killer Mike, that it has come to light that Killer Mike has now endorsed Bernie Sanders for president. Right, on Twitter, right? Yeah, and, and uh, we, I think we should say first that like you and I have been listening to a lot of Killer Mike as of late. Oh yeah, he's great. He's really, really great. It's incredible. He, he, he toes the line between like just like kind of 
gangster rap. I don't think the kids are calling it that anymore these days. And like um, politically aware rap, like yeah, uh, substantive versus like bitches and hoes and and drinks and weed. But he marries the two and switches back and forth in a way that I don't think I've ever seen. It's really, I mean, you know, Kendrick Lamar, we always come back to Kendrick. He's the one who really does that amazingly. But I've never seen anyone do it. He does it, Killer Mike does it way differently, but in his own, he has so much swagger, dude. So much swagger. Yeah, well, I, he, he's, he's a little bit more satirical, I think, than Kendrick Lamar, where Kendrick Lamar is a little more like honest and upfront about everything. And like serious. Uh, he's, yeah, he's a little more funny. Like, like Kendrick Lamar would not write the song um, Lie, Cheat, Steal, Kill. I know that's a RGT2 song, uh, Run the Jewels 2, but that's not a... That's not a uh, it, it's Killer like Mike. not something that Kendrick would ever, would ever endorse as a, Why is that? as a slogan. Well, I feel like because like the whole motto of that song is not that we should uh, avoid being part of that system and that we should protest the system, but that we should all be involved in the system. I mean, it's certainly satirical in its intent, but it says that like everyone's lying, cheating, stealing, killing to win, so you should do it too. That's funny. I haven't gotten that deep with that yet. <laughs> um, <laughs> anyway, anyway, no, but no, I, I he wrote, you, he writes some like really like uh, politically relevant stuff, like Reagan. You know, that was a song that you sent me in recent weeks that I I think is that's inc- that and it's in like you we talked about it like lays out in the last since Reagan of to a large extent political injustices against Americans to a certain extent and cor- and corruption. Uh, yeah. by corporate interest. Exactly. And that's and that really comes out on some of the Run the Jewel stuff when he's talking about how, I don't know, we're all pawns for one master or another, right? Whether it's religion or, or an economic. Drugs. Drugs or yeah. the, you know, the, the game. The game. I mean, then yeah. he talks about that a lot. He's like how we're actually part of the, we're part of the problem because we're, we're being propped up I mean, as like, I'm talking about like, you know, like perfect, like um, successful rappers in general propped up as like the role models, but yet all we talk about is selling crack, basically, to other black kids yeah, or, growing up. Or having nice cars and like these consumer effects that we, yeah, that are so meaningless in the scope of what reality yeah. is. And what's so interesting, just real, yeah. uh, we, sorry, real quick though, remember how Kanye start, was talking about that on his first fucking disc his first record yeah he so, still comes back to it every once in a while but i know he, he, he i know he does he's so hypocritical he now <laughs> and he knows he but he knows he is he knows he fucking is that's what's so crazy about kanye i i don't know i i give him a lot of credit but i also think he like knows he's an asshole and he's conflicted oh about yeah he, he wrote a song about it he wrote a song about how he's an asshole i mean about that's the thing it's like it always he I, it's it's I get kind of fed up with him at points, and then I like him again after he puts out a good album. But I feel yeah, like he... I'm the same way. He, You're a gay fish. He, Shut up. Just make good music. <laughs> it's kind of... <laughs> but I, at the end of the day, I feel like there's that sort of tension that existed. Not not. It's not as bizarre or as caustic as DMX, but I feel like DMX like constantly had the story where he was like this really bad guy who would like break shit and and screw everybody up but then at the end of the day he was really devoted to christianity and he would always have these prayers at the end of his album where he'd try to redeem himself 
but in real life, it was like that all the time. Like he'd be, he was, he is bipolar, so he would go through these phases where he was really violent, and then he'd try to redeem his life in some ways. And I feel like Kanye is that with consumer culture, where he'll be like, "We're all slaves to masters, but I'm gonna be the new master." <laughs> you know, he he finds ways of undercutting his message every time with his actions. Yeah, the other way around. <laughs> so true, so true. All right, sorry. Um, but That's yeah, Killer Mike, in the light of this Charleston uh, shooting, uh, came out on the side of um, preserving gun rights. Um, and what he said specifically was that he made the point that has been brought up, I, I think it was brought up by Fox News first, that if the pastor or somebody in the church had been armed, that they might have been able to stop the shooting. Um, and people really criticized him for this and went after him. But I think he made a couple... Um, good points and salient points that that I think are worth discussing uh, today yeah. because I think we're uh, coming from our position. Uh, we're both people who are advocates for gun control. Um, if that wasn't obvious from our liberal hippie stances thus far on the show, um, I know we're trying to distance ourselves from both the term liberal and hippie. By the way, I just feel like some people are putting us into that classification every once in a while. We can cut that if you want. No, that's fine, dude. No, in the context, it was funny, ish. Yeah, um, so <laughs> I feel like uh, it's pretty obvious that we're going to be on that side of the argument in some way or another. The point is that uh, wh- what Killer Mike said that I found very interesting was these two things. First of all, that as he pointed out, uh, NRA meetings never get shot up, which is a good point that if you if a shooter knows that there's going to be some, but, uh, a place where there's a lot of guns, that isn't usually a place to plot a shooting, which is partially true. That being said, yeah. I, th- I think we've seen in recent years that you know we've we've seen a couple attacks on army bases even. So yeah, it doesn't always happen that way. Yeah, think um, about that. He they attacked guys in the army at an army base and killed a bunch of people. Like, yeah. there you go. And first, and like, I real quick, I have a, a retort to that as well, which is that in theory, let's say that you could stop all like rogue terrorist attacks with everybody packing heat. Okay, let's even give them that, which I don't believe, obviously. But that aside, if everybody had guns, everybody would be shooting each other over the most bullshit stuff. It would happen. People get irrational when they get angry. When they get angry, they go for the nearest tool. I mean, even in San Francisco, not even in. I mean, I've seen some crazy shit here. But, like, I see people, like, trying to get in fights all the time with, like, whatever's closest to them, you know? Like, get out of the car and road rage. Like, if everybody has a bottles in a bar... Yeah, I've yeah. seen I've seen people throw things in bars at each other like over like, like arguments over their girlfriend that they weren't even involved in or the other way yeah. around. It's all bullshit. People suck. I think I think we've lived long enough to know that that's almost universally true. They're also amazing, but at times people suck, and um, they're going to use. A gun and we aren't excluded from that. I want to say like I, I don't think we would exclude ourselves from. Oh, sucking dude, sometimes. I really suck. Are you kidding me? Yeah, I'm I'm, I'm one of the bigger sucky people, but. I would never thi- I would never trust I mean I even wouldn't trust myself with a gun on my side all the time. I would probably fuck up and not like shoot a person in anger but just like shoot my foot off or something. It's so stupid. Well, I'm too parent I'm too paranoid about things like noises in the night and stuff like that. I feel like I would like wander down with like a gun and then like shoot somebody who's like my like a surprise party or yeah, something. Yeah, exactly, dude. Like I found out my grandfather who who passed away a few years ago and I'm wearing his belt. I wear his belt every day. He's a great. He was a great guy, but he was also like, 
they say people say, oh, he was a product from another time, and what they mean is that he was a racist, like outdated, like <laughs> kind of like mean guy. But he wasn't mean. He definitely was not mean, but he was like ignorant to the changes in times, and to a large extent, has even I don't know reality in general. He hated Japanese people because he fought in World War II and like right after Pearl Harbor, and so he probably harbored that till his death. He didn't like gay people. For no fucking good reason. I mean, not that there ever is All right. a good reason. So we're getting the idea. Your grandfather was a bigot. Where are we going with this? He had a belt. <laughs> yeah, I don't even remember where I was going. All right, sorry. All right, topic. Um, you got to keep something me on about topic, guns. Dude. I thought I thought it was something to do with guns and a belt. I thought there was going to be like a gun tie-in here. Oh, he used to sleep uh, with a loaded fucking pistol under his pillow. My mom found out like for like way after he did it, you know, how long, how, for as, he was doing it for so long and then she found out and she's like, you cannot do that. You're going to just kill yourself. That's what's gonna happen. Well, my my grandfather up until his death last year slept with a loaded gun in his side table, and I my my mom advised me against going downstairs at night to get even like water to drink because if he if he got paranoid in the middle of the night he would walk around with that gun and it was scary because he was you know as you get older and you can't God. see things or hear things quite so well like he there was one night. I love my grandfather with all my heart. He was a wonderful man. But there was one... But he also could fabricate things every once in a while. And I might take this out. But there was one night where he... Yeah, it's, um, not, about, it's not about how much we love our grand- grandfathers. Because I yeah, love my grandfather where he, he kicked me out of the house because he was convinced that I was, like, plotting around at 2 a.m. But I was I was asleep. So I don't fuck? really know what he was hearing. <laughs> so that's yeah. what I mean. Like, he was convinced there were things going on that weren't going on. So if you walk downstairs in the middle of the night... Who knows what would have happened? Uh, so yeah, something, so something I definitely have that worry. Yeah. yeah, and he's a very responsible gun owner. Like he keeps all of his rifles locked up in a case. You know what I but mean? But not like that he, one pistol. But not that one. Yeah. Anyway, uh, getting back to the topic at hand, I I really wanted to, and then the bigger point that I think Killer Mike made that I think we really need to discuss is this idea that he doesn't want to give up gun control as long as the police or militia have access to whatever weapons that they want to use against the citizenry. I, and I and I completely understand that perspective of the gun control debate because, for example, in Britain, when they talk about gun control, when they took away guns from the the general population, they also said police had, had limits on who could have guns. So only, like, their SWAT teams have guns, whereas, like, a normal, like, traffic cop doesn't have a pistol on him necessarily. Did that happen at the same time? It did, you're saying? Yeah, it all happened simultaneously. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, which makes complete sense. Yeah, because I don't think that... I I think when we talk about gun control, we can't say that individuals... That the only people with guns will be some sort of, like, overarching government militia because that does create a state where oppression is obviously going to occur on a regular basis. We already see oppression in our police force, and right now it's more of an equal playing field than it would be if we took that away. Yeah, but I guess my response to that, and this doesn't address like the larger issue of rebellion against an oppressive government or like taking on a police force and mass per se, but an individual and individual action, like if you have a gun against an oppressive cop and they're oppressive and then you shoot them dead, you're going to go to jail forever, right? Like you just kill the cop. So yeah, I yeah. don't really it's see hard to, It's hard to claim the self-defense uh, if there's no when... witnesses, I feel like they're always going to side with the fact that you killed a cop. Right? 
Because almost you were per- almost always almost always unless there's some sort of record to back you up, it wouldn't. But if it's your word versus, you know, another cop or another person who's yeah. on that cop side, you're never gonna it, win. Yeah, but addressing what I think we talked about off the offline, but it was like how there are so many more people with smartphones with camera phones, right? So yeah. if 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 the idea, at least with the regular police force, let's say, who are the most uh, accessible of the government's like army or whatever you want to like militia, right? Like um, they, if they're going to be disincentivized by weapons, they're also they also are I think also to a certain extent disincentivized by camera phones in their faces. But maybe not based on like all the crazy shit we always see all the time that cops do and are filmed on, right? Yeah, but well, mainly because I think that we haven't the justice system hasn't caught up with a way to uh, deal with sentencing because there isn't really a system of retribution for the cops who do these things. There isn't anybody to police the police at a certain degree. Like every time we see one of these incidents happens, whether it's like Freddie Gray recently declared a homicide officially, by the way, uh, there will be homicide charges brought, but, but wait, in Freddie Gray. Yeah. In Freddie Gray's case recently, but he was in New York, right? No, no, the one sorry. in uh, Baltimore. Baltimore. Yeah. I'm sorry. Instead yeah, I saw, that. Right. I, no, it's I saw okay. that. I'm yeah, so, so I, I, I mean, think I'm sorry. There's just too many black men dying at the hands of police. I can't keep. I can't keep them all straight. No, oh. I, I. There's 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 such a lot a to keep track fucked of. Up. It's such a fucked up time we live in, man. This is horrible. So I think when we talk about gun control, we need to say first of all, this isn't gun control just for the citizenry but also gun control for the militia not to say that like our overseas militia shouldn't have the weaponry they need to fight uh whatever forces um come against us but we should also be conscious of the fact that our domestic uh militia whatever that may be the police force if there's some sort of situation where we need like local militia to defend us that we need to be conscious of their relationship to the citizenry and make sure that they are on equal footing of some sort in terms of their um, ability to oppress, if that makes sense. Yeah. Well, listen. I'm all. I'm all for reducing the militarization of the police force. Like, what's funny about this conversation is that this is happening in a time when their local. I mean, you, you've read all this stuff, right? Like, the local police departments getting like federal funds to buy like you know armored fucking basically like tank Humvees and shit. And like, I remember walking yeah. out of work one day and seeing like a a police conference in Philly because I worked right near the convention center and they closed this one street and they had like the craziest just basically like straight up military vehicles and weaponry and armor and it's 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 obscene it's obscene and so I agree I mean I agree completely I think that and this goes to a point that you've made often which I think is very another retort to and I'm sorry if I'm skipping ahead but a retort to the whole that whole argument, which is we need to be, you know, armed because because they're armed. You're never gonna win against the the mil- the paramilitary that is certain police precincts, right? They have yeah, better weapons yeah. than you. Yeah, even if we have assault <laughs> weapons, even if even if automatic weapons are available to the citizenry, um, the the uh, military industrial complex can create things beyond any manufacturer's uh, dreams. And, and they're and gonna to get a first. Like you're gonna to think, yeah, and to think that you're gonna take on a tank with your M16 is just a ridiculous <laughs> idea. 
Yeah. Uh, so so I, so that's like, and that's really the core of this discussion. What I want to finish up our gun control topic today is like, for me, I'm always having these same basic discussions and debates with people about gun control um, because I'm the kind of person. Now I know you're now completely against guns, correct? There's no point, and like if I it, the prerequisite for that for me is obviously law like basic law enforcement as well with the drastic demilitarization of the rest of law enforcement. Um, but yeah, I'm over it, dude. I'm over it. This year, this past year, seeing how many people have been killed by guns and how accessible they are, and I'm just, I know it's never going to happen, certainly not in our lifetime, but like, just fuck them, dude. I'm done with guns. And I I, I grew up with guns, you know? It's got to be a slow, yeah. uh, No, I I do know, Hunter, because like, I, uh, we, we shot Skeet when I was up at your place. Yeah, dude, that. we shot shotguns yeah. together. So, like, I'm not again. <laughs> like, I'm. It's. I'm going to sacrifice. This is my whole thing. Like, I think that the responsible gun owners like have to recognize that like there's enough of them that aren't responsible. And it's. I know it's a few bad apples. Obviously, it's a few bad apples. But like, I think as someone who like en- thoroughly enjoys going out and shooting some skeet. Every once in a while, back at the homestead in Maine, like personally, and I know I'm a very, very, very casual gun user. Like I'm gonna gladly give up that that momentary joy for knowing that no one can buy guns legally in America. Like I will gladly go up, never, never having to be able to go hunting again. And again, I'm not someone that you know has ever really gone hunting. <laughs> so maybe I'm like. But you know what I'm saying? Like, I think that, like... No, I do, talk- I do. And there are other... And as you brought up, there are other ways to go hunting with bow and arrows and so on and so forth. And, and that's take definitely... take more skill, all, dude. All entirely it's valid. an animal. I think it's a... Yeah. I will, I will say that I, I'm not as strict on those adherences. And maybe that's just because I'm not as optimistic. Like, you're not even optimistic about our ability to actually achieve that state. No, So no, I think I feel like not. what's more practical and, and more reasonable... Uh, not that I wouldn't support that reality, but I feel like it, it, it's more practical right now, especially because the guns already exist. And what are we going to do? Just like bury them all? Delete no, them all from the system? No, melt them like, down. But, that's, um, yeah, that's no, going to be a really hard process of getting no, rid of No, listen, guns. let me be clear. When I talk about this, this is just like in, you know, Huntertopia. You, it's not. Yeah, no, I, no, I, this I, is I, never going to happen. I get that. It's ever. But ever, I, I ever, guess I'm just ever. saying, like, I'm, I'm, I would be. I would be totally happy with a stricter licensing and um, training process for firearm weaponry, it's similar to the same that we that we use for car licensing. Yeah, where you yeah. have to go through a testing process where they make sure that you're mature enough to take on this responsibility, and it's given that kind of maturity, not where we give a ten year old a gun and say like, "Go have fun outside." Dude, that and that's exactly sense. it. You can people don't realize like that you can. In some circumstances, buy a gun without a background check. In a lot of circumstances. Well, like, you can at least be given a gun without a background check because your parent can buy you a gun that you can use on your property no matter what uh, well, the court says. But isn't it like at like trade fairs you can't have a background check? I mean, I'm just kind of like not positive, but I'm pretty sure that's it. Not that you can't, but you, that you don't have to have a background check. Like, I, also I honestly remember... don't know because I've never been to a gun fair, but I do know that there are places in America where you can definitely buy a gun without a background check. But I think the argument is that those kind of facilities would exist even if we outlawed guns entirely. Yeah, but way less, dude. And yeah, it's like it's not certainly. They'd the, be more it, black market. 
underground. Yeah, and also, like, the argument, like, weed is that, well, we could track it and tax it, right? Guns mm-hmm. are legal. We don't really track or tax them, so... Uh... Well, that's, like, the... that's And I think that's the problem, is that when we look at the system, we need to be able to license and register every gun that we have so that we can keep track of who has them and make sure they don't get into the arms of somebody who has uh, either extreme mental disorder or has a history of violence uh, in their life, whether it's domestic abuse or yeah. Yeah, well, racial that's a violence hard... or whatever it is. Yeah, that's a hard line to draw. And couple that with the uh, uh, couple that with a lack of adequate me- me- uh, mental health care in this country. Like, good fucking luck. That's why. That's why I don't think any system is going to be foolproof or even have significantly oh, I, less cracks you know well i think uh, no but i do think it can have less cracks only because there are systems in other countries like like britain in place that do but no limit one can have a gun. Crimes. because one of one of the big one of the big points uh that gun control uh advocate uh, sorry gun rights advocates make against any type of gun control which i think is all we're fighting for is like let's broach this topic and start talking about it as something that we can change not that something that is is okay as it is in the status quo because it's obviously you mean you mean like we already did when we enacted the assault weapons ban that that we let that that we then let repeal (laughs) yeah exactly that's what i mean forgets about that in making small legislative steps let's just say like okay let's start talking about this and and one of the big things that people say is that if we didn't have guns we'd have other weapons whether that be uh lasers (laughs) Well, well I, more realistically, like dynamite or in the case of like what happened in the Boston <laughs> bombing, which I was going to bring up earlier because I feel like, you know, we talked about uh, Dylan Roof uh, not being classified as a terrorist on the same day that yep, uh, yep. I, we're reading about the Boston bombers uh, uh, death sentence yep. and how much they're they're viewing him as a terrorist. And I would say that they're in very similar situations in in, in their life and in the way that they perceive these incidents. And hating, um, inciting hate in their actions. Yeah, exactly. But but anyway, the point is that you could do it with a um, rice cooker, or you could commit violence with a car. But but the point is, with all of these things, when you look at other countries that, that limit gun use and have gun control, whether that be Britain or China or wherever it may be, there may be incidents where there could be a huge amount of stabbings or somebody is attacking people with a car or um, right but yes in the cases when you're talking about people that are committing violence with these knives and with with cars uh, i've looked at case case after case of these incidents and yes 24 people might be stabbed by a guy in china but how many people died usually zero sometimes one or two the point is that the casualty toll is is not even close to comparable to what we're doing with the effectiveness with the weaponry we have yeah, well, here's the deal. Um, there's always going to be something that you can um, kill someone with and hurt people with. But at the same time, you look at the stats and you see how many people die at the hands of guns every year. And that would take out a lot of... The vast majority, I dare to say, of of weapons used, and you, like what you're what you're saying is that you know, that it would uh, everyone would turn to knives or 
or whatever else. But like, I don't believe that. And like you said, knives don't kill people the way guns kill people. Like, yeah, fundamentally. And, and also, like the guns are made as the most technologically advanced tool for the purpose of killing. Whereas knives yes. are arguably, while some of them are made for killing, they also serve other purposes and simultaneously are not as advanced in the technological ability to kill people. I'm trying to find the number. I'm sorry. I'm trying to find the number of... No, no, um, it's fine. ...of how many people died as related to guns in America. And I we can't are find far, the Yeah, we are far and away the largest uh, industri- of, of any nation in, in the world in terms of how much how many people die at the hands of a weapon that somebody has and is going on a killing spree like we, we, we have a huge amount of homicides uh, on a regular basis and it's all gun violence yep. like 95% of it is gun violence dude I I what I really want to what I really want to say are we wrapping this up is that was that where we're yeah at? no I, I yeah I think I think we're like towards the end yeah I yeah we said everything the, that needs to be said yeah yeah or we can always do a part two I, you gotta get going homie right yeah Good no way. I gotta get going and this is like a really long for a mini at this point as well well now <laughs> it's real it's not a mini anymore homie but we gotta just release it soon um real quick though um Australia right. And what yeah. I wanna, what I think we should leave this episode with, I'm not sure if it's legal for us to do this or not, but is there any way we can just like have an audio quote from the Jim Jeffries uh, stand-up routine on gun control? Have you heard of this? Do you have the Do you have the quote? Because you could definitely say it. I'm not sure we could play it and then put it on iTunes, especially. Yeah, probably not. No, I can't remember the. If you give me a second, no, I'm, then I can. That's what I'm saying. Up. Can you look it up and you can just like say it right now? That if we attribute it to him. So the one thing that he says, and this isn't all of it, but I'll, I'll at least say this part, is uh, in Australia we had the biggest massacre on earth. And I guess it was the 1998 Point Arthur shooting. Uh, killed 35 people, wounded 23. The Australian government went, that's it, no more guns. And we all went, yeah, all right. Sorry, I'm not going to do an Australian accent, but I, my mind is like tempting me to do so, so much. That seems fair enough, really. Now in America, you have the Sandy Hook Massacre where little t- tiny children died. And your government went, well, maybe we'll get rid of the big guns. And 50% of you went, fuck you. Don't take my guns. And he said, uh, in Australia, we had guns right up until 1996. In 1996, Australia had the biggest massacre on earth. Still hasn't been beaten. Now after that, they banned guns. Now in the 10 years before Port Arthur, there were 10 massacres. Since the mm-hmm. gun ban in 1996, there hasn't been a single massacre since. I don't know how or why this happened. Maybe it was a coincidence. Um, That's Jim Jeffries? Oh, I forgot. I let it, so that quote left out a lot that I read. Damn. Yeah, yeah. All right. All right. Peace. All right. All right. Later, buddy. Henry and Ops. 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 It's not safe, dog. Okay. Hey, watch the wolf suit.